Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I am Jason Kong. The pleasure, as always, of being here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you today? I'm good. I hope you are, Jason. I'm doing wonderful, Bill. Looking forward to the show and our conversations as always. And, you know, uh, first up on the docket, we're going to be talking about estate planning. And, Bill, you've got a, a key ingredient for us when it comes to estate planning. Ooh. Well, I don't know if you call it a key ingredient, but um, the, the fact is, is that most of us, most Americans, are generous, you know, frankly, during our lifetime, and sometimes at death, uh, we make gifts. Uh, we give to our church, uh, we, and oftentimes those are fairly significant gifts. Uh, from a year-to-year basis, and sometimes, you know, because of capital campaigns and the preacher collaring you and, you know, those kind of things, that your gifts are sometimes uh, even what you would call a stretch. (laughs) But the fact is that um, most of us um, do uh, make gifts uh, to charities, and those are important to us. You know, we we want to uh, support our community. We want to support our church. We want to do things that are helpful to people. And the fact is, is that most Americans are, in fact, very generous. That you know, this is even in hard times. This is a land of plenty. I mean, if you look around the world, uh, you know, there are very few Americans that would not be considered rich by any standard uh, around the world, because most uh, folks, if you just look at the overall population of the world, are, you know, have very little. And so Americans are blessed, and and most of us show our appreciation, if you will, to those who are less fortunate than uh, we are. But the fact is that... uh, How do we structure charitable planning? I mean, it's part of what I consider to be a very important key or piece of estate planning, and and that is, um, are we leaving our property, um, you know, what we've acquired over our lifetime, uh, based on our passion? You know, I think passion is really an important thing. Control's important. Passion's important. And one of the things I tell clients is leave your money to your passions. Now, obviously, for most of us, uh, the biggest passion we have uh, actually relates to our family as opposed to charities. But uh, at the same time, uh, oftentimes what we give, you know, where our money goes basically is and should be what we are passionate about. So yes, we want to take care of ourselves. We want to hopefully leave a legacy for our family. Uh, But at the same time, you know, is part of that um, caring for our community at the same time. And there are lots of different ways of doing that. Now, frankly, uh, the Tax Act of 2017 has made it more difficult for us. Why? <laughs> because before the Tax Act, uh, we could, at, you know, when we uh, gave money away to charities, um, 
we got a tax deduction for it. That was really nice, you know, and tr- truthfully, charities depended on that. And, you know, we could, we could uh, feel doubly good about it because we not only supported our, our cause, if you will, but we reduced our income tax at the same time. And, you know, who doesn't want to reduce their income tax? <laughs> so, so what happened in 2017? Well, the fact is that the uh, 2017 Act um, uh, basically uh, increased the standard deduction a little bit and took away our personal exemptions that we had before uh, and uh, pretty much eliminated many deductions that we had in the past. So a, a lot of folks who formerly uh, itemized on their taxes no longer itemized because the standard deduction that, that we are given today um, is more than what most people would itemize. And so now only a few percent of taxpayers um, itemize. Now, here's the problem. If you don't itemize, you cannot take a charitable deduction. Um, Well, with one, there is a very limited, uh, uh, from some, sometimes we've been able to make a very small cash deduction above the line, if you will. But uh, I mean, that's inconsequential if you get right down to it. Um, And and so in essence, uh, many churches, many charities have struggled since 2017, since the Tax Act went into effect, because they don't get a a tax deduction anymore. So many folks have reduced or eliminated their charitable giving. And and that, of course, uh, is bad for for the community, (laughs) if you will. Uh, So one of the things we, uh, we do talk about is the fact that uh, charitable giving um, is something that that good is good. It makes us feel good. It's good for the family. It teaches lessons to our children uh, about generosity and how to give, and um, and what are the parameters in giving. Um, it, you know, it it also uh, tells others about who we are as people you know it tells about us who are we um and and to me those those kinds of things are very important um now another thing and i may have mentioned this last week that i think is really important for a lot of us to consider is the fact that um when we die and let's say that we support our church um, or synagogue or whatever your your favorite charity is, uh, but we do it uh, in a fairly significant amount each year. Um, you know, we tithe, we or make significant gifts. So uh, let's say that on a year-to-year basis, we normally give about five thousand dollars. Well, the fact is, upon our death, that. $5,000 goes away to the church or charity. Uh, and uh, typically it takes growth 
in contributors of three to four new people to make up what we were in the past giving. Uh, and, and that's one reason as uh, the uh, seniors in the crowd pass away that uh, some of the particularly smaller churches are really, really struggling because uh, unless something is growing, it's dying. And, and that's a, a bad thing <laughs> in, in, in many cases for good causes, if you will. So um, there are a few things that I wanted to mention as it relates to uh, how we may want to uh, make uh, contributions and particularly for seniors, how we can make contributions that actually can help us from a tax perspective. Now, I, I realize that I can't go on and on and on, so uh, let, uh, I'll come back and talk about some of these strategies that particularly can help seniors. Excellent. We will get to that in just a bit. I want to remind everyone that if you are interested in setting up an appointment to speak with Bill, you can go online to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. From there, you can also find information about Bill's seminars. These are currently in the form of webinars, but all you have to do is click on the seminars button at WGALaw.com, and you'll find information about the two wonderful seminars that Bill puts on. One dealing with long-term care assistance, the other dealing with asset protection and trust planning. They are free to attend highly educational seminars where you will learn from Bill. Again, go to WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button if you would like to register for either session happening on Wednesday, September 8th. Wednesday, September 8th is your next chance to catch Bill's seminars. We are taking a short break, but we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Learn more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're having a conversation about estate planning. And Bill, we're also talking about charitable giving and uh, tax implications of that as well. But you've got some tips for seniors that uh, we were waiting on the edge of our seat for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Okay, so let's keep it simple at first, and then we can get to a little more complex. But okay, let's say that um, we we give $5,000 a year to our church, our synagogue, uh, our favorite charity, but we're generous. Okay. Um, now, truthfully, there are a lot of folks that uh, contribute far more than that, but I'm just using this as an example. Uh, there are many of us that can't contribute that much. You know, we have to put food on the table. So, it, it you know, everybody's different in terms of what they can do. And as my mama used to say, you, you do it one of two ways. You either do it because you have the money and you can contribute or you or you roll up your sleeves and you go to work and, and help that way. So there's more than one way to contribute. <laughs> okay. 
But, all right, so now we're talking about the fact that we have some money to give, and how do we structure a gift that actually favors us the most? All right, now, um, there are lots of folks out there who um, have significant appreciated property. Um, I, I have lots of clients over the years who've worked for a particular company that's been very successful, and they have acquired stock over the period of their employment. Um, and oftentimes they may have a million dollars or more tied up in uh, stock that they have acquired that has appreciated significantly over the years. Now, with most families, uh, they don't want to sell the stock in order to diversify it, you know, which is what many of the investment advisors want you to do, which is not a bad idea. However, from a tax planning perspective, selling the stock typically is a bad idea because of what? You must pay taxes, income taxes. Uh, and oftentimes, it's very, very difficult for families to know what their income tax basis is because they've uh, acquired stock over many years at many different prices. Um, and, and so uh, oftentimes they actually have no clue what their basis is. And of course, the basis is the bottom line number from which you pay your income tax. And if you don't know it, then typically it's going to be treated, treated as zero, which means you pay tax on it all which is bad uh, for you. So keeping up with basis can be extremely helpful. But most folks know that upon death, their uh, family can diversify it with no income tax. Why? Because for many years, we've had what's called a step up in income tax basis. And that's something that many, most folks don't understand. But basically upon your death, your home, which typically is an appreciated asset, and stock and other um, investments that you have, the basis actually becomes the fair market value at the date of death. So because of that, let's say that you have uh, $5 million in stock and the acquisition was it maybe 500000 so it's grown and grown and grown. Well, at death your family takes it with a basis of $5 million. So if you sold it all for $5 million, you'd have zero profit and zero income tax. That's a good result. <laughs> okay, now, with that said, what are you going to give the church? Are you going to give them cash? Or might you give them shares of your highly appreciated stock? Well, I'm not saying give it all to the church. I'm just saying, okay, you trip typically make a $5,000 annual gift to the church. Well, from a tax perspective and a tax savings perspective, you're far better off giving the church shares of stock where its uh, current fair market value is $5,000. Why? Because if you sold the stock and gave 
the money to the church, you get no tax benefit, and you have to pay the capital gains on the appreciation. Well, if you um, make a cash gift to the church, you're not unless it's a huge gift. Uh, you're not going to get you're, you're not going to itemize, and you're not going to get a tax deduction for that major gift. But if you get it out of the from the appreciated stock, well, guess what? You're giving the church the five thousand dollars, but you're not having to pay the capital gains tax on uh, on that stock, and the church doesn't have to pay the tax either. So in essence, that tax transaction goes away, which is a positive thing for us. So the difference between uh, giving appreciated stock away versus cash is a no-brainer. Give the stock, not the cash. (laughs) Okay, now, let's say that you've not done well with some of the stock and you actually have losses, all right? Well, the fact is that you should actually sell that stock. And, the, and a lot of, what a lot of folks don't understand is there's not only a step up in uh, tax basis at death, there's also a step down in tax basis at death. So what it boils down to is if you sell it before you die, you get to take the loss on your income tax return. Um, that can be really important to folks uh, by being able to take the loss. And if you still own that stock at your death, you get no benefit at all because uh, let's say that you, you paid uh, you know, $10,000 for the shares of stock and now it's worth $5,000 when you die. Well, if that's the case, then uh, you sell it, you know, your family sells it, but they don't get a profit, but they don't get a loss either. So in essence, the loss goes away at death. Uh, And uh, the only other uh, way is that if you, in fact, gift it before you die to your children or someone else, and you do it timely, then the children actually take your basis. They don't lose it. And, and so that's one thing about gifts that a lot of folks don't understand is that when you gift property, the base, your basis goes with it. And of course, that's one of the reasons that it's very difficult for families to, um, to know what the basis is because they don't know what dad paid for it, <laughs> okay, whether it's a loss or a gain. And so that's it makes it that much more important for families to be able to keep up with uh, the basis of the property that they acquire. And you know, it's something that most people do not do. And uh, but for tax purposes, it's going to be it's always been important, but it will be more and more important in years to come. It's usually not a conversation we have with our loved ones about the the basis of, of what we paid for our assets. Or you don't necessarily have it written down in a book. And, and there is some talk, have no clue um, whether it will happen. But, you know, Congress in years past has actually done away with the step up and step down in basis. 
Now, the good news is Congress was wise enough to realize they had made a big mistake, and they, of course, repealed uh, the law in which they did that. And, you know, step up in, in basis is something that's extremely important to all families, not just wealthy families, but it's important to everyone because it's a tax benefit to anyone that that uh, leaves appreciated property to their family. And that, that can be their home, it could be the farm, it could be uh, investments that they've made. But that step up in basis is something that's very, very important to us. Well, if you find information like this helpful, I would highly recommend that you register for Bill's Asset Protection and Trust Planning seminar happening on Wednesday, September 8th. If you or a loved one may be uh, dealing with currently or foresee a potential long-term care crisis, Bill also has a seminar dedicated to that as well, dealing with Medicaid, VA benefits. It's Again, these are very educational seminars. They are free to attend. It's free to register. If you're interested in either topic, please go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button. WGALaw.com and click on seminars. Or if you prefer to call the office, the phone number is 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can always learn more about Bill online at WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. We're having a discussion all about estate planning. In particular, we're talking about charitable giving, Bill, and you've, you've given us some tips here to uh, maybe give us a little tax break if we have the option. Well, I, I do enjoy giving my clients tax advice because, frankly, most people never get it. Um, you know, even those folks who use a CPA rarely get tax advice on how to save money the next year and pay less tax. And, and so I do try to give my, my families uh, some advice that can help them. Now, if a person is 72 years of age this year or older, they have, um, and, and they have a retirement account, uh, then they have a required minimum distribution. Okay. In other words, that's part of owning a retirement account. The government forces you to take some of it every year. And, and many, um, Financial advisors don't want you to take more than your required minimum distribution. They want it to be left there and grow, which is not always the best idea for a lot of families. I'll get into that in a minute. But let's say that we have uh, an IRA and we have a required minimum distribution this year of $5,000, okay? And so we have to take that $5,000, and guess what? When we take it, 
uh, what happens to our income tax? It goes up. Exactly, because it, we have ordinary income tax on the IRA distribution. That's how a retirement plan works. You don't pay income tax when it's um, saved, uh, but you do pay income tax when you when it must be distributed. Okay, so um, what, you know you can do what's called a qualified charitable distribution. So what does that mean? It means you call up your IRA custodian, uh, and I'm just using a real simple uh, situation here where you have a $5,000 um, required distribution. You have to take it. And, of course, if you're sitting there, why do you have to take it? Well, if you don't take it, there's a 50% penalty for not taking a distribution that's required. So you always take your distribution. Because 50% is actually more than the income tax that you would pay on that distribution. (laughs) No-brainer here. So you take your distribution, but let's say that you also give $5,000 to the church every year. Well, guess what? If you call up your IRA custodian and tell the custodian, write a check to the church from my IRA and send it directly from you to the church. Do not pass go. Do not send the distribution to me. Okay, so the the financial advisor sends the check from your IRA to the church. Well, now, how does that help you? Number one, because it has been sent directly from your IRA, is it taxable to the church? No, it's not. It's a charitable distribution. And do you have to pay tax on it? No. In fact, it's not reportable income to you, and it does count as your required minimum distribution. So in essence, uh, it's even better than under the old law where you would take the distribution and write a check to the church and you'd get a charitable deduction. Well, you don't get that charitable deduction anymore, but if you give it directly from your IRA, it's not included as part of your income. Now, if you do it, one of the important things to remember is that you need to keep the information uh, for your tax return so that you can show that it is not taxable to you, and it's not includable in your income. Um, so in, in other words, it is a qualified uh, charitable distribution, and it is not included in your income. But you need to, you need to keep uh, the transactional information so that you can prove that it went directly from your IRA to the church. That uh, is really important uh, on your tax return. But it's a great tax result. So you want to do that. Now, technically, and this is something that a lot of folks don't realize, that you can actually make a qualified charitable distribution from your retirement account as early as age 70 and a half. You know, they, they, that used to be the age where you had required minimum distributions. Well, you don't have it that year when you turn 70 and a half, and you don't have it when you're 71. It's not until you turn 72. So if you, but once you turn 70 and a half, you can actually 
uh, make qualified charitable distributions up to $100,000 a year um, from your retirement accounts. And of course, that's because you're charitably inclined and you want them to have the money and and you'd rather give it from your IRA than your cash because the bottom line is your cash is not taxable. It's already been taxed. And um, your IRA, if and when you take it, whether you take it or your spouse takes it or your children eventually take it, it's a taxable event when they take it out of a, an IRA. So it, to me, that's a really important um, distinction for you. Um, in ter- it, so it may be a reason why you simply make a qualified distribution uh, to charity from your retirement account. So once you turn 70 and a half, it gives you that opportunity um, to make significant charitable gifts and reduce your overall IRA, um, which tends to benefit folks significantly. Again, there's some more options for you if you are looking to make some tax savings. Bill, thank you for those. If you want to find more information about Bill, maybe you want to schedule an appointment to speak with him, or maybe you want to attend one of Bill's seminars, go to WGALaw.com. There you can find information about Bill, or if you're interested in the seminars, just click on the seminars button, and there you can register for either session happening on Wednesday, September 8th. These, the two subjects that are covered are asset protection and trust planning, as well as long-term care assistance. These are highly educational webinars. You can do them from the comfort of your own home. And all you need is an email address and internet access, and you're good to go. WGALaw.com. Click on seminars, and there it is free to register and free to attend. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can learn more about him by going to WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. We're talking about estate planning and charitable giving and planning in that regard, Bill. And um, this is a subject that, uh, as you kind of alluded to this, one, we don't know a whole lot of tax, t- tax tips in general, but uh, I, I think you've given us some pretty cool tools to use for those who are charitable givers. No, well, no no question about it. And uh, I mean, it, there are a lot of things that you can do at death as well. Uh, and of course, if you make any kind of charitable gift from your trust or your estate at your death, um, it actually is a deduction on your estate tax, so uh, which is, of course, is a death tax for wealthy families. And so, uh, frankly, uh, you can reduce uh, potential estate tax uh, by using uh, charitable planning to do it. Uh, also, for instance, um, uh, if let's say that you just simply recognize that your death will 
make it more difficult on your church. And, and so let's say that you normally give $5,000 a year, and you want to help make up that loss of your revenue for a few years. And so recognizing that it takes three or four new members of the church to make up the loss, instead you might want to leave out of your retirement account, say $20,000 to the church um, for that uh, purpose to basically, because you love the church, it's passionate for you, and it's something you care about, and you recognize that if it goes to your children, it's going to be a taxable event, and if your children are doing really well, a a high percentage uh, will go to income tax rather than to something else. And so it's a good stewardship in that sense that you can uh, make a, a, a larger gift that has more bang for the buck if you do it from your retirement account because your charity is not going to pay the income tax on that that distribution. And you can leave it as part of your uh, beneficiary designation if you wish. Now, for those families that want to make a bigger impact on a charity, um, and there, to me there's two ways of doing it. Now, obviously, you can make a, a gift directly to a charity that you're passionate about, that you've uh, worked in yourself that you um, want to make a difference uh, for the long-term future of that church or charity. Well, um, a- another way to leave a larger gift. Um, now, for those families that are we're talking big, 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 big gifts. You know, multi-million-dollar gifts. Then a family foundation is probably the best way to do it. Um, a wonder, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, it's a little more expensive, however, uh, in the administration. But this is where family foundation is used uh, when you want the family to have complete control over how the assets of the foundation are invested, utilized, and distributed. So family foundations can be wonderful. But let's, let's say that you want to make a smaller gift, but one that still has a lot of impact, say a gift of $100,000 or maybe even $250,000, but you don't want all of the strings and the expenses and you know all of that stuff that goes with it. Can you make a gift like that that has a significant impact that will basically be beneficial to your family over the years? And the answer is yes. Uh, and how do you do that? Well, you used what's called a donor-advised fund, a DAF, a donor-advised fund. And we have some really good ones uh, in North Carolina. And in this area, there are two biggies. Uh, one is the North Carolina Community Foundation. Uh, and that, and then we also have the Triangle Community Foundation. And so, in essence, you can make a gift to these foundations and retain a string. In other words, we want this gift to be a perpetual gift, and we want our family to control where the distributions go from year to year. And so, in essence, you're giving away all of the administrative duties where y'all don't have, you know, you don't have to keep up with it. But you're still retaining 
the good part <laughs> that you're retaining the ability to give money away each year to those causes which can change from year to year uh, that your family selects as being worthy of a gift of your family. And so that's what a donor-advised fund can do. Now, obviously, you can give, and I've got lots of clients who have wanted to create a scholarship uh, at some of the state institutions, you know, like they graduated from NC State or Carolina or pick one, and they want to leave a million dollars or more. And now you can leave that directly to the institution. You know, they all have foundations, but a lot of clients want to do that and have a perpetual scholarship. In other words, the income is used each year to support a student. Well, a lot of institutions won't let you do that. In other words, you give it to them, and they will give the money away to needy students until the money's exhausted. So maybe your gift goes for several years or 10 years, and then it's gone. So it's not perpetual. So a donor advised fund is, again, another way that you could have a perpetual scholarship rather than one that is exhausted in a few years. So that, in other words, each year I wanted to go to the scholarship fund at the engineering school at NC State. You know, that that would work is what I'm getting at. And, and that the scholarship would be known as your family's scholarship for the student so they'd know where the money actually came from. Just another way to skin the cat that a lot of folks actually like. Um, now, the, if the last thing I want to talk about uh, that's significant is how you can use charitable planning and Roth conversion planning at the same time. Because what a Roth is, is that you have to pay the tax when you convert from a traditional IRA, convert it over to a Roth, and you can do up to $100,000 a year to, in a conversion. Um, and then once it's in a Roth, it grows income tax-free, and when it's paid out, it pays out income tax-free, and you avoid the minimum required distribution rules as well. Another wonderful set of tips, Bill. Thank you very much for that. And we're going to get into that conversation about Roth conversions even more right after this. Don't forget, if you want to attend Bill's seminars happening on Wednesday, September 8th, these are currently in the form of webinars, go to WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button. From there, you can register to attend either of Bill's seminars. The first one, the morning session dealing with long-term care assistance, the afternoon session dealing with asset protection and trust planning, something along the lines of the discussion that we've had today. WGALaw.com. Click on that seminars button. It's free to register, free to attend. The next set happening on Wednesday, September 8th. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back.
You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're having a wonderful discussion. We're talking a lot about charitable planning. And Bill, just before the break, we were discussing the Roth conversions. And I know we're going to get to that, but you, you've got a word of caution for us. I do. If you, if you use your IRA for charity at death, it is important that you break it out of what's going to your children and grandchildren so that, in other words, you simply create a separate account that's going to go to your charity as opposed to having the charity as one of your beneficiaries uh, because if you have it as one of your beneficiaries on a bigger account, it can actually mess up some of the distribution planning for your children and grandchildren. So always separate it out. That's a word of caution, but your your IRA custodian should be telling you the same thing. But, I, you know, frankly, I find that oftentimes people don't get the advice that they need. Uh, now, let's talk about, you know, uh, traditional IRAs versus Roth IRAs. Obviously, Roths are better. They're, in fact, it's the best investment type of thing that you can possibly have with all sorts of tax advantages. However, for uh, here, here again, if you know that your income tax rate w- will significantly drop when you retire, then typically it's better to keep with a traditional IRA, uh, at least until after you've retired, because you have to pay the income tax when it's distributed or converted. So if you know your income tax rate's going to drop, that's where traditional IRAs work best, so why convert? However, if you know that your income tax rate is actually going to be the same, which it is for a lot of folks, you'd be surprised that your tax rate actually doesn't drop when you retire because your income comes from other sources like rent or things like that. So your income is still high and your tax rate is still high. Well, if that's the case, then typically converting to Roth is a better idea. It's a better concept for you, and it's a great concept for your children to inherit a Roth rather than a traditional IRA. Because under the SECURE Act, children now have 10 years from the date of your death, that's 11 tax years, to distribute everything out of what they inherit. So the government wants their money now. They don't want it, you know, 25 years from now. (laughs) So that is an important thing. But a a Roth can grow income tax-free and be distributed income tax-free, but you pay the tax now. So one of the things that I do is I look up the current income tax rate. And for a lot of folks, uh, particularly when they're retired and they're already 70 and a half and we're looking at different ways to do things, I look at what their, com- I look at their income tax return. And for a lot of folks, their tax rate is at 12%. Well, let's say they're, uh, they're married and that their income is $60,000. Well, that gives them $20,000 because the tax rate is 12% for a married couple up to $81,050. So if your taxable income after your standard deduction is 60, why not take 20,000 and convert it to your IRA because you're still paying that lower tax rate without increasing your tax rate. Now, what a lot of folks don't realize, particularly those who have larger 
IRAs is the fact that assuming that goes to your spouse at your death, a large IRA will typically push your spouse into a higher tax bracket. And so if, if you die and, and, and he or she inherits your IRA, it could very well push their, in, their income tax from 12% to 22% under the rates today. Why? Well, first of all, their bracket is cut in half and their standard deduction is cut in half. So, you know, it's the kind of thing where instead of 12% at $81,000, uh, the, the 12% is 40000 So what I'm getting at is oftentimes the surviving spouse is going to have all that income and guess what? They're in a higher tax bracket. So if you can shift during your lifetime over to a Roth, it not only helps you, but it helps the survivor too. Another great tip. Thank you so much, Bill. If you want to learn more from Bill, you can always join us every weekend. But if you'd like to attend one of Bill's seminars, go to WGALaw.com. Register. It's free to do so. Just go to WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button. These are currently in the form of webinars, so you can do them from the comfort of your own home. All you need is an email address and an internet connection. WGA Law. Click on the Seminars button. You can choose from either the morning session, which deals with long-term care assistance. The afternoon session deals with asset protection and trust planning as well. WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button. It's free to register, free to attend, or you can also call the office if you prefer to do it that way. 919-256-7000. Seven thousand. We are out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next weekend. You've been listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful day.